Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, weirdos, to episode number 34 of the History for Weirdos podcast. This week, Stephanie, you have a story for us, don't you? Yes, I do. And Andrew likes to be surprised with what the episode topic is going to be. Um, I don't care either way. Andrew wants to be <laughs> she surprised. She really doesn't. But I left my laptop open, and it's in like big letters and everything, so the surprise was ruined for you. The surprise was ruined. So. Well... I'm still really excited. <laughs> I am too. It is interesting. Oh, good. And you'll yes. see it. It's even more interesting than oh. you probably think. Oh, snap. So, this week I will be covering the life of author Mary Shelley. Mm. Uh, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley oh, snap. is considered the first gothic novelist, and she's most known for her iconic novel, mm-hmm. which you may have heard of. Frankenstein, a.k.a. Uh, the modern Prometheus. You know, I think I have heard of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. maybe once or twice. Right, right. I, I, maybe just in passing, though. <laughs> Her husband was the famous romantic poet, Percy Bysshe Shelley. <laughs> Andrew always laughs whenever I say his name. Because his middle name is literally Bish. Bish. Like, yeah, Bish. I don't, I know. I wonder if we're not pronouncing it correctly. Whatever. <laughs> Someone tell us. Um, but... Frankenstein wasn't the only goth, strange, or spooky aspect of Shelley's life. Okay, now I'm intrigued. We will get into some very unique stories. Yes. Soon enough. But first, let's go into her early life. Let's do some biographical context right. information, right? So when you say gothic, you're not mentioning like the Ostrogoths or the Visigoths, right? From like the 5th century AD. Wow, you're so annoying. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm mentioning like the the cool kind of goths. I I'd argue that the other goths were pretty cool too, but yeah. So as I was saying, <laughs> dear listeners, <laughs> Shelley was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin on August 30th, 1797 in London, England. And her parents were actually fairly famous badasses in their own right. Her dad was a philosopher and political writer named William Godwin, and he was a well-known anarchist. Oh, wow. Um, And her mom was feminist writer Mary Wollstonecraft. She was the author of The Vindication of the Rights of Woman, which is one of the earliest works of feminine literature. Oh, okay. And she argues crazy things, like that women aren't inherently inferior to men. Oh, that's blasphemous. I know. And she was like a big, big proponent of education for all. Mm, okay. Also blasphemous. Also blasphemous. <laughs> so both her mom, so both mom and daughter were big pioneers in their writing. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Um, but like very different types of writing. Very different types of writing, but very, very cool. influential. So, oh yeah, I just wanted to share a quote that her mom wrote. Mm-hmm. I was looking into her mom because I was like, oh, that's so cool. I didn't realize she was such a famous uh, early feminist. And there's this one nice quote that I liked uh, where she wrote, all the sacred rights of humanity are violated by insisting on blind obedience. Oh, damn. No wonder her husband was an anarchist, right? Like, yeah. Such a good pair. Yeah, seriously. But very sadly, and this is something that really impacts Mary Shelley throughout the rest of her life, mm-hmm. her mother um, died only 11 days after Shelley was born. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So it's likely some sort of complication from childbirth. Oh, it stinks. So she never knew her mom, and her dad was left to raise Mary and her half-sister, Fanny Inlay, mm-hmm. on his own. Fanny was actually Wallstonecraft's daughter, the mom's daughter, mm-hmm. from an affair with someone else. Oh, my gosh. Not like a... Like, she didn't cheat on Godwin. Like, just mm-hmm. some dude that she was sleeping with before oh. she met her husband. She had a kid with him. Um, and in 1801, Godwin remarried a Miss Mary... Jane, lots of uh, Marys. Mary Jane Claremont, who brought her own two children into the family, and they later had a son together. Uh, one big, it's like the... Kind of like a Brady Bunch Yeah, vibe. I was just about to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. However, Mary Claremont was not a kind stepmother. God, what's up with the, the evil stepmother trope? I know. She really wasn't nice to, to Mary Shelley. Um, well, she wasn't Mary Shelley yet, but just right. to distinguish between all the Marys. Of course. Um, she didn't allow Mary Shelley to receive a formal education, but she did allow her own biological daughter to do so. Wow. Also, where's the dad in this? You know, dudes. Um, <laughs> Jeez. But despite no formal education, Mary Shelley had access to her father's impressive library, right? He's a philosopher. Oh, yeah. And she taught herself as a kid to, like, read, write. Um, and it was really sad, sweet. She, you could often find her throughout the day just reading or writing next to her mom's gravestone, which was kind of, like, in their estate in the back. Aww. Um, in, like, a local cemetery, basically. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. She also had access to her father's notable guests, such as the English poets Samuel Coleridge and William Wordsworth, and they helped launch the romantic age of poetry. Oh, wow. That's cool. So she, you know, her father was a well-known, distinguished writer in his own right. She had access to these other writers, and she had access to a lot of books. So again, despite her... It's so sad because her mom was such a big proponent of educating women Mm -hmm. that her stepmom didn't allow her to get educated. Wow, that is ironic. It's very ironic, but it seems like she obviously took advantage of the um, amazing resources she did have. Mm -hmm. And she learned from these people and these books around her. So. Okay. She was married to a famous poet, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you about how those two met and what was going on with that mess. Oh, So Mary and Percy were a forbidden love affair. Oh. In 1814, Mary began a relationship with one of her father's devoted students, a young poet named Percy Bysshe Shelley. (laughs) Percy Bysshe. What were the red flags, you ask? Yes. He was 22, she was 16. He was also married to another teenager <laughs> oh, God. Oh. named Harriet. Oh. Um, 
It's worth noting that Percy was known as a bad boy of the romantic poets. A bad boy English poet. <laughs> yeah, he was a bad boy poet because his work was often considered too edgy for publishers. So what teenage goth girl doesn't want to be with the bad boy poet? <laughs> a teenage goth girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course she was going to fall for him. Right. Um, they frequently snuck off to the cemetery together. Mm-hmm. Like after he'd come over to like learn from her dad, he's like, oh, you're so cool, man. Poetry, anarchy, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd run off with his daughter to the cemetery and they'd take walks and they get to know each other. That's kind of how that he started courting her while he was married. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's a very famous story, which sounds too wild to be true. But it may be true that Mary and Percy had sex for the first time on her mom's gravestone. Boy. Um, oh, boy. I was like, I literally Googled, did Mary Shelley have sex on her mom's gravestone? So my NSA agent's like super entertained. <laughs> and apparently scholars think like maybe, like there's no, nothing to suggest that it was that literal like on the mom's gravestone but they definitely think in the cemetery because of like a journal entry that they both had you know in their journals the next day right kind of marked something and that's where they were alone so ew (laughs) i'm just gonna say it ew (laughs) no words um yeah anywho anywho it only gets weirder oh god so the same year those two fled together to like travel around Europe. Um, they brought Mary's stepsister, who she was friends with. Her name is Jane slash Claire. They call her both throughout. So she was cool, though, unlike the stepmom. Yeah, they were close. They were very close. And she, so she brought her stepsister to run away with her and this dude. But Percy's wife was pregnant at the time. Oh, my gosh. I know. Percy. Um, yeah, bish. Right? That's where he got his name from. Yeah, seriously. Mary's actions disappointed her father, and he didn't speak to her for quite a while. Um, Mary and Percy traveled throughout Europe between 1814 and 1816. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it does sound like fun. Then Mary became pregnant, and in in 1815, she gave premature birth to a baby who died 10 days later. And Mary Shelley fell into depression. Um, of course, from that crazy loss. Right. So sadly, the story takes an even more tragic turn. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Percy's wife, because him and Mary aren't married because he has a wife and a kid, she's so uh, distraught that she walks into a river and drowns herself. So she dies in 1816. Oh, my God. And just like... A minute later, Mary and Percy got married. So, I don't know, guys. I wasn't there. I'm not here to judge, even though the tone of my voice is clearly judging. No, we are 100% judging. That is judge-worthy. It was not nice. It was really not nice. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I'd say on the chill meter, that's like (laughs) zero chill. And, like, both of their dads, so Mary's dad and Percy's dad, were like, we don't want to financially support you guys because this is so messed up. Like, you can't do this. And they were both like, hmm, that's not cool. Yeah, you're just part of the system, man. Yeah. And Percy was all like, he didn't want to get married to Mary anyway. 
because he was like, no, man, like, I believe in, like, free love. Man. Oh, my God. But her dad was like, no, you're marrying her, and that's how you will rectify. Both of the dads, I think, were like, this is how you're going to rectify the situation. You're mm. going to get married. So they had quite a rocky start to their relationship. I would say so, yes. The following summer after Mary Shelley's first baby passed away, mm-hmm. the Shelleys, now the now the Shelleys, I think, officially, yeah. were in Switzerland with Jane Claremont, Mary's stepsister, Lord Byron, and John Polidori, who was Byron's personal physician. Yes. Um, I just want to say a little bit about Lord Byron because he's quite an interesting character himself. Absolutely. He was Famous for his poetry, his scandalous affairs, his eccentric behavior, his ancestral affair with his half-sister. Oh my god. And for heroically, apparently, dying in Greece, fighting for Greek independence. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That lines up. Also, Mary's younger stepsister, Jane, she's there because she and Byron are hooking up. Mm. So. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Byron was quite a playboy, and apparently he's very handsome. Like, that's what... Like, people of all walks of life that wrote about their interactions with him were like, damn, he's handsome. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, apparently, he was handsome and very charming. Um, And I'll say a little bit more about his personality in a bit. But he he fathers quite a few children. Of course. Um, But his only legally legitimate child is another very famous historical figure who could potentially be in a future episode. Oh. Her name is Ada Lovelace. Oh, yeah. She's the famous, famous mathematician who became a countess. Like, really cool woman. Yes. Um, That's weird. I didn't didn't put two and two together. Yeah, because obviously she doesn't... It doesn't seem that she carries his name. Um, Right, no. And she never met him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he bounced and died in Greece. So she never got to meet him. Yeah. But for now... Back to Mary Shelley. Oh, wait, because I know you're all dying to know. My favorite Lord Byron poem is... Oh, please. She Walks in Beauty. Oh, and my favorite Percy Bysshe Shelley poem is Ozymandias, in case... Oh, yeah, that, that's a classic. In case anyone was wondering <laughs> what my favorite poems are from these people. So back to Mary. So the group, they're chilling. They're in Switzerland. It's really rainy. Um, it's not fun. It's apparently a really unusually uh cold year a cold wet Mm. year just in general they called it the year without summer oh weird it never really warmed up and so they're i think it's byron's one of byron's estates they're there they're hanging out they're telling ghost stories reading ghost stories and lord byron suggests that they should do a competition and write their own horror stories um, and this little competition produces the ideas for both Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but also the physician, his name is Polidori, he wrote The Vampire, which was published in 1819. Yeah. Um, and the vampire character is inspired by Lord Byron. And he's a very, he's a lord who's extremely predatory. So it says a lot about how his friend viewed him. Oh, extremely wow. predatory towards women. Extremely hedonistic and selfish. <laughs> and Byron was like, this one's great. I love this one. <laughs> I like Went this dude. right over his head. Yeah. Um, and the vampire, it's a short story. It's not a novel. Yeah. It influenced the perception of 
of the archetype of vampires, like it shifted. Vampires weren't seen as like charming, sexy, alluring humans up right. until this dude's writing. Oh, wow. And this story is what uh, influences Bram Stoker's Dracula. Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So, so this was a really like prolific night for like really literature. Really prolific night for literature when Lord Byron's like, let's do a contest. <laughs> so Mary Shelley was only 19 years old oh, when my. she first began writing Frankenstein. Jeez. It's cool. I only sobbed a little bit when I read that part. <laughs> I haven't, like, I didn't do it. Anything, anything at 19. Anything. I was like literally like drinking and just hung over and eating breakfast burritos yeah, like, and wow. passing classes. That's it. Barely. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> and again, her original title was The Modern Prometheus, which I think is really cool and clever. It is, yeah. Um, Shelley later wrote that the inspiration for Victor Frankenstein and his monster came to her in a nightmare during that stay when they're trying to figure Whoa. out the, the story. And this was the quote of of what she saw. Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote this in her journals, which are now published as well. Right. She wrote, he sleeps, but he is awakened. He opens his eyes. Behold, the horrid thing stands at his bedside, opening his curtains and looking on him with yellow, watery, but speculative eyes. Oh, snap. Ooh, so creepy. Yeah, that's really haunting. Yeah. And fun fact, the monster Mm -hmm. has no name. Right. And that was intentional. She wanted to sort of add this eeriness to him, this um, abandoned child aspect. Victor Frankenstein can't even bother to name him. It's supposed to be very, very symbolic. Yeah. Uh, The book was published anonymously when she was 21. And it's considered the world's first science fiction novel, which is so cool. Yeah, like a true trailblazer. True trailblazer. At like 20 or 19, 20, 21 years old. That's insane. Like crazy. That is that is a true weirdo right there. And it's a good book. Yeah, I mean, it's like even holds up to this day. Like, yeah. Like it's, I remember reading in high school and being like, oh, wow. Like this is actually like quite good. There are parts that are so spooky. Yeah. There are long sections where she's clearly influenced by the romantic writers, her dad, her dad's friends, her husband, her husband's friends, whatever, because it's very, like, very descriptive of nature and things like that where you're like, that's not as interesting, but it's beautiful writing. But then there's parts that are so, like... I know. They make your skin crawl. I know, and you know what's nuts, too, is, like, English literature in 19th century was just, like, so boring for the most part (laughs) like it was so boring yeah but like i mean i tried to read like the last days of pompeii and like i i got through like four pages of it and i'm like i'm i'm done like this is and it's like ancient rome it's like one of my favorite civilizations yeah if not my absolute favorite civilization to like learn about and i was just bored to tears it's just a like we are different readers right? right our world is different and their style just didn't get to the point very quickly. Right. They would take, I think this guy took hundreds of pages to get to a point. Yes. Like, oh my God. But put me out my misery. Even considering like for us, the relatively slow pacing of Frankenstein, it still reads very well for modern readers. I, it's like at times it's slow, but it, it, it it's never like slow just for like it just to be slow. Yeah. She's like when they're, I think at some point they're in Geneva, Switzerland in the book. So she's like introducing you to the setting and things yeah. like that. And you know, something creepy is coming. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really good, but but, but critics but, bashed it. Of course they did. They, they always do that. 
They always do that. The critics were like, ew, this is dumb. But everyday readers were like, this is awesome. Classic. Yeah. yeah. And now, of course, critics, you know, call it one of the best novels of all time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what, babe? It's like the Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah, it's just like that. Just like that. It's true. <laughs> uh, a brief synopsis for anyone who didn't have to read this in high school. And I just copied this synopsis from history.com because I didn't want to write my own. Fair. In Shelley's tale, a scientist animates a creature constructed from dismembered corpses. The gentle, intellectually gifted creature is enormous and physically hideous. Cruelly rejected by its creator, it wanders, seeking companionship and becoming increasingly brutal as it fails to find a mate. Wow. Yeah. I know it's interesting, too, because um, also listeners... You know, I have to point out too, as like a lot of the film adaptations of Frankenstein is like vastly different from the book. Yeah. Like like, it's, they're almost like different stories completely. It's, I'd say one of the most haunting and I'd imagine particularly for people of her day and age, one of the most haunting aspects is how acutely intelligent the monster is. Right. Um, To the point of, you know, when he gets upset with Victor Frankenstein, like, he knows how to mess with him. Yeah, he He's knows so how to smart. psychologically, like, torture him. He tortures him. It's so interesting. Um, in 1823, Frankenstein was republished, finally, with Mary Shelley's name oh, nice. as the author. I don't know if I mentioned it was originally published yeah, anonymously. Um, but at the time, many speculated that it was actually Percy Shelley who had written it because he penned the introduction for the original edition mm-hmm. and probably for lots of sexist reasons as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would just imagine that people are like no way did like his young wife write this like horrific novel yeah when she was starting when she was 19 years old but she as we saw you know she knew tragedy from birth basically yeah she grew up also relatively alone with her siblings off at school and she's like punished alone <laughs> Just chilling by her mom's grave, um, reading and writing. Yeah. There's a a little aside that I didn't mention earlier, but apparently since Mary and her mom shared a name, Mary even journaled once remarking that she learned how to write her own name as a little girl by tracing her mom's tombstone and grave. Like, so super dark, really someone who would have reflected a lot on parentage. She also lost... Many only one of her children survives to adulthood. Oh my god! She lost so many people in her life. She would have thought so much about family and parents and death. And I just think it makes sense that she wrote it. Absolutely. Um. So the same year that Frankenstein came out, the Shelleys moved to Italy. Oh, <laughs> Amazing. Not jealous. I'm not jealous. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. super jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even hide it. People noted that Mary appeared to be quite a devoted, you know, wife to her husband, but it doesn't seem that they had a happy marriage. Um, I think he cheated on her a lot. Classic. Because, like, free love, man. I'm a poet. God, seriously. And they had the death of... They had two more children die during this time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jeez, can this poor woman get a break? I mean, besides her commercial success and... Um, I don't think but. she actually was making money off the royalties of Frankenstein. I only saw that written once in her lifetime. I don't think she made money off of it. How? I don't know. And I didn't... I, I was so, like, inundated with research for this one. I was like, ah, right. oh, I can't go down that path. Right. And I only saw it noted once, so I don't mm. know how accurate that is. Fair. 
Um, but I don't think for sure they never make it sound like she's doing well, like great financially, which makes sense because even today, authors typically don't live off just the the proceeds from their books, right? Right, like they especially live if they of, only have one really big hit. Yeah, they live off of like different income streams. Yeah. So I don't think it was like a big financial winner for her, even though it's incredible. Um, but yeah, their son, Percy Florence, he was born in 1819 and he's the only child that lives to adulthood. Mm. And then oh. there's more tragedy, guys. I love it. <laughs> Mary's experience, she experiences yet another tragedy in 1822 when her husband drowns. He had been sailing with a friend in the Gulf of Spezia. I don't know where that is. Don't know either. Uh, leaving her widowed at the age of 24. 24. Wow. And you know what's interesting too is like his first wife died from drowning. She drowned herself and he was drowned. Ooh, the gods. It was a ghost or something. Yeah, the gods I think wanted vengeance. Mm-hmm. And 24, can you imagine everything we just said? She wrote like one of the best sellers in human history she lost three children. She's lost her mother. Her her biological sister, Imlay, has also died by suicide at this point. Oh, my God. And then now she's a widow. And now she's a widow and she's only 24. She's lived like an entire life she's so far. multiple lifetimes. Yeah. Um, so what's really, really interesting, another like goth like detail about Mary Shelley. <laughs> goth. Goth is that Percy is cremated, right? Yeah. But weirdly enough... Oh, no. His heart won't burn. His heart has calcified. It's like stone. And it won't burn. So they're like, hey, lady, um, we don't know what to tell you. Here's his heart. So she keeps it with her. She, like, she keeps it forever. <laughs> she, like, carries around his calcified heart. It's, like, wrapped in one of his poems that he wrote. And she... I'm making a disgusted face, by the way, because this is so weird. She was goth. AF. That's goth AF. You know, um, super random, but what the the lead singer from Stone Temple Pilots who died a few years ago, mm-hmm. Scott Weiland, his ex-wife got, took some of his ashes and put it in tattoo ink and got a tattoo with it. Oh, yeah. You yeah. told me about that. that yeah. That's like a new thing that people do. Yeah. Like, if Mary Shelley could have freaking done that, she would have done that. She absolutely would have done that. She yeah. was super goth, man. Um, to the point <laughs> where, like, they... <laughs> The heart was found when Mary eventually passes. It's like in her desk. Like she truly kept it with her oh all the God. time. She's like, Haha, I will always have your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. So she worked as a writer and she worked to preserve the writing of Percy. She really didn't want his name to be lost in this romantic movement. She felt right. like he was a genius, whatever. I'm not like super stoked on him. Yeah, he was a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, her father-in-law, once Percy dies, her father-in-law, like, begrudgingly provides her and her son, like, a a monthly allowance. Um, Oh, my God. Because he notably really disapproved of Mary and disapproved Mm. of his son's, and I quote, bohemian lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) These old-timey folks, I know. They crack me up. Until the grandpa dies and her son Little Percy inherits the estate, and then oh. he he makes sure his mom's okay once that happens. Damn. Um, so Shelley dies of brain cancer. I don't know how, how they, they know that. I was just about to ask. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere where you look up her death, it says brain cancer. I'm like, how but, do they know? 
Yeah, like how? I wonder if someone did an autopsy on her, but I don't even think autopsies were common. And they saw like a mass. like plaques or a mass or something, yeah. and they wrote it down somewhere. I don't know how and they know. And then now we're like, oh, that obviously been... that's a brain cancer. Mm-hmm. A-, a brain cancer. A brain cancer. <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> Just one. Um, she died on February 1st, 1851, at the age of 53. She dies in London. She she is buried with Percy's calcified heart, of course. Cause of course. That's gotta be me- goth till the end. That's goth and metal at the same time. <laughs> She's very metal. I so agree. Metal. Um, her son has Mary Shelley's parents exhumed from their cemetery where Mary grew up. Mm-hmm. And um, because it fell into disarray, the community mm-hmm. didn't really look after it. And they he buried her parents beside Aww, her. Oh, that's sweet, actually. Really sweet gesture. Yeah. Obviously... Her biggest legacy is Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, he's the classic monster that right. we all grow up knowing some reference of him. There have been at least seven film adaptations that I found of Frankenstein. Um, he's a major influence in pop culture, the monster, her writing, everything. And in recent years, all of her writings have been published. She didn't just write Frankenstein. She wrote other books. She wrote nonfiction uh, she wrote more fiction, and she's really recognized for like her sharp political themes and commentary. If mm-hmm. you look at like her writing as a whole, um, she was a weirdo in many, many ways. Right? Some yeah. some things like maybe a little, little too weird, Mary. Like having sex on your mom's gravestone that might be too yeah, weird. At sixteen. At sixteen. <laughs> oh my God, Andrew. I know. I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I used to. Yeah, I'm not going to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole, but like, yeah, I feel like now I'm a little bit of a fuddy-duddy. I'm like, all these youngins. Yeah, hanging out with her husband's calcified heart and writing one of the most prolific horror tales in history. She is definitely a weirdo. Um, and P.S., I did write this note for you, Andrew. I wrote okay. it here. It says, Andrew, there are several illustrated and annotated editions of Frankenstein, which you can buy me as a gift. Oh, my gift. God. She literally did write this. Oh, my. And she's pointing at it right now. <laughs> I didn't want to forget to tell you you could buy me. Oh, my God. I, so now I have to because you literally, like, mentioned it to thousands of people. So We'll update you guys when he gets me the surprise present. <laughs> So I, but it's not a surprise present because it's well, there is no surprise. I have really present. bad memory issues. You know this. Oh, that's true. So it I actually, might yeah, you've already forgotten, haven't you? Forgotten what? Exactly. Okay. No, but for real, there's really beautiful like graphic of Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. Please. That's actually kind of cool. I might. I, I it would be a great Halloween gift. You've never gotten me a Halloween gift before. <laughs> now that I think about it. Obviously, the worst husband that's ever lived. Ever. Um. Ever. Yeah, ever. <laughs> well, maybe Percy. Maybe Percy was. <laughs> Percy that bitch. Like, literally, we're just hearing that he ditched his pregnant teenage wife to go impregnate another teenager. Right. And just be, a, like, a constant, like, philanderer. Yeah. Maybe he was a little bit worse. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. Anyways. That is the life and legacy of the super, I don't know, interesting. Tragic. Pretend, tragic, crazy life of Mary Shelley. And Frankenstein. I had no idea that there were so many like ups and downs in her lifetime. And she was connected to so many other famous like weirdos, basically like her right. her husband, right? The bad boy of poetry. The bad boy. <laughs> Lord, and Lord Byron. Oh, who, yes, Lord Byron. Yes. And I did very quickly, quickly glaze over that he did have an affair with his sister. Half sister. Half sister. So it's, it's only half as bad. <laughs> it's only half as bad. 
but such interesting characters her parents alone like who her parents were yeah so cool that was actually interesting like there was so i've only known mary shelley because of frankenstein that's like literally all i knew i knew about that story like you know that they're all trapped in the house basically right. they're like oh let's have a contest on right like like a Rex, writing contest. Writes book of stories. Writes book of stories. I'm yeah. like, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> that was all you knew. Yeah, and that's basically all I knew. Yeah, that's all. That's and like what they cover in 10th grade English. Pretty much, yeah. But I I was really interested. There was so much to learn about her that I was like, this is going to be too long. I just want to hit like the, the really weird stuff. Um, and my references for today are history.com, culture trip, biography.com, lit hub, Book Riot and Wikipedia. Wikipedia. For anyone best. who wants to do more research into her, there's plenty of cool stuff out there. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I feel like I learned so much because of you. Thank you. I had no idea about any of this, so this is awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that is the point of the pod. <sighs> that's the point right then that's, and there. That's the point. Well, listeners, thank you so much for enjoying this ride with us. As always, please find us on Instagram. You can leave comments. Also, please, please, please rate, mm. review, and subscribe on Spotify or Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you do podcasts. We we read the reviews and they make us like so happy. We Yes, they Everything, really do. All the comments, all the messages, even though um, we both get kind of like bogged down with like work and stuff, sometimes it's hard for us to answer, but it makes us so, so happy. It does. You guys really do make our days. So and it motivates us when we're like, oh, you know, I don't want to research stuff right now. But we, I literally will go and I'll look at like emails that we get or comments on Instagram. And I'm like, no, you're going to go. Yeah. It gives us really like a lot of motivation. Yes. So thank you all as always for being here with us, weirdos. It means so much. Absolutely. And until next time, weirdos. Until next time. Hasta luego. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.